This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast, Episode 152. Good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster, and author of Fun Fantasy Reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what the title says it is, folks. It's a show where we focus on everything to do with fantasy and sci-fi books, and that means all the various genres in fantasy and sci-fi, and we bring you the best and brightest authors from all those corners of the fantasy and sci-fi book world so that you can listen to them here on the show each week. So kicking off things this week, I wanted to kind of give you an author update from my end of things. Um... I enjoyed um, recently the joy of an abscessed tooth recently, and I had to get a root canal last week, so that slowed me down on some of my writing. Um, but I'm back working hard on The Paramedic Sorceress, which is book nine in the Extreme Medical Services series. If you want a sneak peek at the cover, head over to my Facebook group, uh, Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers, and uh, there'll be a cover reveal there um, when you see this. If you just scroll down, you should be able to find it. I'm really excited about the cover. It turned out very well. Uh, as always, you can find out all about what I'm up to, including early looks at excerpts from the new books, um, of course, sneak peeks of the upcoming cover, as I mentioned, and other giveaways and things by visiting that fan group on Facebook. That's Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers. You can also find out more about what I'm up to over at jamiedavisbooks.com. I look forward to hearing from you, so uh, reach out and check in. All right, this week on the show, I chat with author Chris Ludwig. Chris lives in the Seattle area with his wife, daughter, dog, lizard, and an unlikely number of shrimp. He has spent the last 23 years working for technology companies in the greater Seattle area. He spent his younger years playing music, frequenting Burning Man, throwing art parties and unsanctioned parades, and clandestinely installing monoliths and other art in local parks. He has degrees in both comparative history of ideas and communications from the University of Washington. Systemic is his first published novel, and we talk about that in the interview with Chris coming right up. Chris, welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Well, thank you very much for having me, Jamie. So tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe uh, how you got bitten by the writing bug. Okay. Um, so about myself, I'm a, I'm a first-time author. I live in Seattle, Washington. Uh, as far as what got the writing bug or how it bit me, uh, I, I think this is a funny story. Hopefully other people find it entertaining. Uh, what, what happened to me, I, I wrote when I was younger, like in college and you know things like that. When I was young, I wrote a lot of bad poetry when I was 15, like you're supposed to. So I did all of those things and I was a writer and I always enjoyed it. But, uh, then I got old, you know, I got a family, got a job, you know, did the things that you're supposed to do when you get older. And, uh, you know, I worked pretty hard. And one day I was on the bus, I, I worked at eBay I was coming home on the bus, as I always did, and my laptop died, and my phone died, and I had nothing to do, and it left me, left this big hole in my, my uh, evening commute, and uh, I just had an image came into my mind. Uh, it was of a, a large valley uh, that was kind of like a valley that I'd seen in Montana, on my way through Montana, and some pretty words popped into my head, and I said, oh, you know, I used to, I used to write a lot. I'm going to 
go uh, put my, my pen to paper because I actually had a pen and paper. And so I started writing and I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing. And by the time I got home, I had about five pages of writing that was really good. And I'm like, well, that's surprising. And I read it out loud to my wife and I said, uh, hey, you know, I, I wrote something. She's like, oh, it's pretty good. And I just kept writing and writing. And nine months later, I had a sci-fi novel. That's awesome. Um, so you just used your commutes as your writing time? That's exactly right. I, uh, I mean, once, well, that's how the bug bit me. Once it bit me, I was doing it all the time. I, then I had a, then I had a serious writing problem. I, uh, you know, I would, I often would wake up at, and still to wake up at three in the morning and write for two hours in the middle of the night. I would write on the commute. I would write, uh, while I'm waiting in the car for, you know, my wife to go into the store or whatever. Uh, and the reason I could do that was because I wrote on my phone, my first novel, uh, Systemic, uh, is, uh, I, I wrote probably the rough draft, probably 70% of it was written with my thumbs on a phone because I wrote on the bus. I wrote when I walked, I wrote in the car, you know, whatever. So yeah, that's what I did. Hey, there are worse things you could be doing with your time. So, uh, you know, I think that's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And, and uh, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about writing on your phone because, and I talk to a lot of authors, um, and I've, I've counseled more than a few on, you know, when they say, I can't find time to write. And, I, I you know, you are the perfect example of if you have the will and desire to write, there are plenty of opportunities in your day to sit down and crash out some words. Um, and, and yeah. you know, phones are a perfectly acceptable way to type those words into something, so... Actually, I'm going to go a little bit further than that. So one of the things I noticed when I wrote my, my first novel uh, was that I have a bunch of different ways that I write. So I might write by hand, I dictate, I write on the phone, I, I do all these different things. And and it's not just that it's convenient, it actually, I write differently from those different uh, uh, tools. So if I'm using Word or, or if I'm using Scrivener or I'm using my phone, I actually do write differently. So often... Uh, like if I want to have a, a sort of stream of consciousness flowing sort of uh, feel, writing on my phone is not just something you can do. It's actually beneficial. It works really, really well uh, for certain things. It sucks for outlining. It's not good for that, but it's very good to get ideas out. Uh, and my theory on that is that you can't, you know, when you're writing and you jump back a paragraph and you jump forward a paragraph and back and forth and you write really slow sometimes, when you're texting effectively because you're texting, you can't do that because like, there's so little that you can see on the screen. And so it allows you to do a much more uh, stream of consciousness like brain dump. And so I actually find writing on my phone to be really, really creative and a remarkably easy way to write. So. Well, it forces you to stay in the moment. I know I do that with my di- when, I yeah. di- when I dictate drafts. Um, it is, you can't back up, right? You can't go back and say, yep. what did I just say five minutes ago? You're in the moment. So you have to keep going mm-hmm. if you're going to stay and do what you're doing. Um, and, and it takes some training and some, some getting used to, but you're right. I mean, and of course, it's a horrible tool for outlining where you need that 10,000-foot view <laughs> where you can see everything. Um, but other than that, I, I think you're absolutely right. And that, that stream of consciousness is so important in getting in that flow state for when you really have the story streaming out of you. Yeah. I often wonder how, how different writing is, uh, both the outcome of writing the books that we have and, and the process by which we write as opposed, you know, if you had parchment and quill, like 
you got to sit down and think for 25 minutes before you write a sentence, right? Because the, 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 the amount of time it takes to make an update to that is so massive that, you know, you really got to plan that stuff ahead of time, I would think. So I, I'm so happy to have the tools that we have the data right. I think it, it's very liberating. And it's, I was thinking exactly the opposite, because I would think that if you were writing on a typewriter or something that is more permanent, that you either are, are stuck with one of two options. If you've got to like insert, you know, go back and look and say, do I want to fit something else in here? You either throw out the whole page and, yep. or you, you maybe type a note that you're going to edit later, you know, and, you know, write it in by hand and say, add in some, some extra here um, and then keep going. But you don't have any other options in that in that realm. Whereas yeah. I think sometimes with the, with modern word processors, I think people stop and start too much. I think that's part of the problem yeah. why people don't finish because they are constantly second guessing everything they've done five minutes ago uh, um, instead of just pushing through yeah. and getting the book done. Um, and and I, I got this advice from a long time ago. Someone said you can't edit words that aren't written, um, but mm-hmm. once you have a story down you can edit that and make it better. And, and that's, I've lived by that mantra for a long time. Yeah. And I, I work in technology a lot and we often say your, your biggest problem, your biggest bug is that you're not done yet. Like you've got to get things out. You can't just forever, you know, like you said, iterate and iterate on something and never get it done. You got to get it done and then you can fix it later. You know, that's, that's always, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a huge believer that, you know, uh, I've, I've always said that writing is like sculpting, uh, you know, so you basically, you need a big block of granite or clay or whatever in order to change it. But you got to make that, you got to dump words out. You got to have something, some structure to, to, to edit into. So yeah, I agree with you entirely. Um, let's talk a little bit about systemic your book. Um, because I'm really intrigued by the, the premise that you outline here. Um, you say it's somewhere between a utopia and dystopia based upon the fact that generations in the future, an AI now solves all of society's problems. And the question you propose is, well, if the, if somebody else is taking care of our problems, what's life like for the people in that society? Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that nails it. Um, you know, which is why it's funny. I say it's a utopia and a dystopia because depending on who I ask, you know, my readers, my friends are like, oh, that sounds wonderful or that sounds terrible. Um, you know, it's because it depends on the perspective. And, you know, that's kind of what I was going for. Um, the, the whole genre of AI overlord taking over the world, you know, we, we have this anxiety that, you know, ever since, you know, Frankenstein and probably before that, even uh, golems and things, the idea that technology can get away from us and it's going to take over the everything and, and ruin our lives. And so I wanted to kind of play with the idea of, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. What if technology solves all of our problems? You know, is, is the world then a better place? And the answer is, eh, kind of. It's kind of a better place. It's kind of also awful. And so I wanted the, the, the structure of the story, the, the background of the story to be about this world in which all the things that plague us as a society are solved and we can't really focus on those anymore, but then we don't have anything to do. You know, what, what does it mean to be a human if you don't have problems to solve is the, is the, is the dystopian world one where you, you know, you don't have any freedom or, or you're, you're oppressed or, or, you know, the, the sort of big brother kind of thing. Is it that, 
what what if that's not the problem? At the end of the day, the the book talks about humans needing to have things to accomplish and things to do, and and that that in and of itself that is the problem that comes out of the technology. It's not the the oppressiveness of it or the you know the AI turning us into batteries like in the Matrix. It's not that kind of overt oppression. The AI is actually uh, it, the most benevolent thing that's ever happened to the world, and yet we still have all of uh, society's problems because it's not about the technology, it's about us. So, Well, and I'll take it a step further. I mean, that, that kind of brings it around to, you know, people say, well, it's, it's, not, it's not the arriving at the goal, it's the journey that got you there. Um, without the struggle, life has little meaning, at least to some philosophers. Yeah, yeah, that's a thread that runs all the way through the book, and 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 in the sequel to it as well, uh, the whole idea of uh, you know to to struggle and to put forth effort is, you know, e- even I don't want to be put too fine a point on it, but the idea of suffering in some ways is part of the human condition, for whatever reason, uh, it's what we we've been evolved to deal with, and and to remove that from us. Um, you know, that take, taking technology too far uh, is actually a lot about removing some aspects of what makes us human from our lives, and that then becomes the problem. Uh, not that there's going to be the, like I said, the the mean overlord ruling us and, and you know using us for meat or whatever people tend to worry about. It's really a replacement of us and and the idea of the work that we do and things like that, and and how that affects us negatively. Well, I'm thinking about Wally and, you know, in that Pixar movie that where, you know, the people mm-hmm. have just devolved into these like fat lumps that ride around on, you know, floater cars because they don't have any need to do anything for themselves anymore. You know, actually, I never thought about that. The Wally connection, it's entirely the point. You know, you always wonder sometimes, where did that come from? Where did I get that idea? And it's like, the idea that it was Wally that made its way into my book, I, I find charming. And I, I almost hope that that's what it was, that I was off brooding about, you know, the, the, they, the, the state of the world in politics or something like that. And the thing that really was the thing that got me was Wally. I think that would be great. Well, it, it just, you know, it said, it, I, I, rem- I remember the, like lot watching that going, you know, we are so headed for that. You know, it's like the, the you know, we, we used to get up every night, we'd get up multiple times to, to just turn the volume up and down on the television. Right. And then yep. somebody said, no, you can just sit where you are and push this little button on a box. Right. And, you know, life changed for people and you know, that was the, I, so I know people that think that was the beginning of the end because people stopped having to do anything for themselves. Yeah. I guess the only thing I would say is that wasn't the beginning of the end. That might've been a milestone, but boy, it started way before then. You're right. It goes way beyond it. And by the way, I don't want to point out, I don't want anyone to think that I'm a, a, a Luddite or something like that. I, I mean, I work at Microsoft. It's like, I, uh, you know, I, I'm not a Luddite. It's just, there is that part of me that thinks, you know, you got to be careful what you wish for. You know, I, I always think about this with a, a great example. Uh, I, I, I think that that we gain value from the things in our lives uh, that we don't know that we gain value from. Uh, it's kind of a, a theory that I've had for a long time. And, and a great example was uh, I was working and I was commuting. 
you know, commuting sucks. Like you get in traffic, it's long, it takes forever. And ah, I got so frustrated. It was just spent an hour and 15 minutes going to and from work on the bus uh, to Microsoft every day. And I got a, a job offer at uh, Amazon, uh, which is also in Seattle. And I took it because one of the reasons I did some calculation, I'm like, hey, it's a 20 minute commute instead of an hour and 15 minutes each way. Like that's going to save me all this time. It's going to be great. And then I, I realized, aside from uh, the fact that the work more than took over my life and all that, but the actual commute, that's when I realized I missed commuting. And a great example is if I had stayed at Amazon uh, and I had a 20-minute commute, I would not have been able to write my book. That's when I had all of my personal time, all of my reading time, all of my you know, Facebook time, whatever it was I was doing. Like There was a value in commuting that I just didn't even know I had. And I think that the same thing about this idea of working and suffering and doing the things that we do, they, they bring a value to our lives that is not apparent to us uh, on the surface. And so when you, when you remove some of those things, for another example, writing a book is hard. It's very difficult to do. But boy, when I traded in for anything, absolutely not. It was one of the most satisfying things I've ever done. And, and, and so if you just like, oh, I wish this thing was easier to do. You would, I would have deprived myself from the struggle of that creative process. And so, you know, you got to be careful what you wish for and, and look holistically at the things that happen in your life. And that, that is a theme that goes through the book. I, I love that because I, I'm a firm believer that we are, the, we are the sum of many disparate individual, possibly even unnoticeable moments in our lives that mm-hmm. made us who we are today and take any one of them out of there. Um, even, you know, making a left turn instead of a right turn on the way home at one day, and we could be completely different people today. Um, and my, my wife and I were just talking about this, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're avid audiobook listeners. Um, but mm-hmm. we used to always run out of credits at the end of the month because, or at the end of the year, because we'd used them all. And my wife commutes, mm-hmm. you know, you commuted an hour and 15 minutes to work every day one way. And so she listened to audiobooks to and from work. Now that COVID hit, mm-hmm. she's been home. We don't listen to audiobooks as much as we used to. And we were in this mad scramble mm-hmm. a few months ago trying to buy books to use up our credits before they ran out. And, and what a problem to have, right? But it, it, it was yeah. just our lives had changed because of one thing had, had, had adjusted. And we realized we hadn't been consuming books the way we used to. And we hadn't been enjoying reading time um, because we, mm-hmm. we hadn't made time for that. So we made a conscious effort to do something else with our day to make sure we had time to, to listen to books and, and do the things we used to do that we enjoyed so much. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's specifically due to COVID, you know, and losing my, my commute. I, I keep my, my mornings very, very structured. What I had before COVID hit, I, I, I would get on the bus at uh, 7, 10 in the morning. And so that's I start writing at 7, 10 in the morning, and I write until 8.30 when my first meeting is. And I won't give that up for the world. I just won't do it uh, because that's when I write. But I also used to write on the way home from work. And I don't have that, that defining line of that, that you know, hour or whatever commute at the end of the day when I used to write, it's gone. So my writing is effectively half as much throughput as I used to have. And also my audiobooks. I would walk to and from the bus and listen to audiobooks because I have like a 15-minute walk to the bus. And that's when I would do 
these things. And, and, and again, in my, my, my life, like these taking advantage of these moments in your life when you can do these things and having them pulled from you, you don't even know that they're there. So Chris, um, you, you mentioned systemic that there's a sequel. Um, are you, I assume you're working on that now. When can folks expect it? Uh, it's a good question. Um, yes, I'm working on the sequel to systemic, uh, and, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I could give anything away. I don't want to give anything away because Systemic has, uh, towards the middle and end of the book, there's lots of twists. And if I tell you too much about the sequel, it'll be very obvious what happens in the book. So I'm not going to do that. But I will say this. Um, I'm about – there's there's two books coming in the series – two additional books coming in the series. Uh, I just found about a month ago sort of the the place – where they part into two different books. I saw that was a big moment. And, uh, and then I also found kind of the, the real emotional and action and structure of sort of, of book two, uh, you know, just even a couple of weeks ago. So I'm, I'm about 350 pages into book two. Uh, I now know how it's going to end and when it's going to end. And so now it's kind of just filling in those things. I should have the rough draft of that done, ready to go off to the editor's, probably in the next uh, four months based on my current uh, trajectory. And then, then it's going to take me a long time to edit. So probably if I, if I haven't done it a year and a half, I'll be, I'll be happy with myself. I'm not a high throughput uh, author. I know, I know lots of authors who are like, Oh, I wrote six books last year. That is not me. (laughs) I'm more, I'm more of a years per book than books per year kind of guy. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, mean, I write, I write pretty fast, and, and I'm pretty prolific. But I also know a lot of very successful writers who put out a book a year, and you know, are yeah. perfectly happy with that. You know, in, in my opinion, and you know, the listeners out there can can correct me if I'm wrong. You know, they know where to find me. Um, there, it's what you tell your readers. You know, as long as you set expectations and let them know, hey, I'm working on this. And if you feed them snippets and, and things along the way to let them know you're working, they're more than happy to wait for you. Um, I've, I've found that to mm. be true, that, you know, if you let them know your progress and let them know what to expect and meet those expectations, um, the readers are perfectly happy to wait a year. I mean, that's what we used to do. Uh, you know, we would wait a year to two years for a next book in a series all the freaking time growing up. And, you know, we only yep. now in the world of the digital age and self-publishing and kind of people sticking it to the, the big publishers and saying, I can produce faster than you want me to produce. Um, you know, we, we used to put up with that all the time and we were fine with it. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to binge read uh, if people are taking three years. I will I will guarantee this to my readers: it took me forty six years to publish my first book. It will not be forty six years for my second, amen, or third. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be faster than that. But uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, I I I think I'm a pretty consistent writer. I write you know in my time, but I really only get about uh, an hour to an hour and a half of writing in a day before you know working, working at my job takes over the rest of the day. And, and that's just, it, it is a, a pretty large time sink to, to have a family and, and a full-time job. But I know everybody does that. I'm not, not complaining, just pointing out to anybody, apologizing ahead of time. that if I had six hours a day to write, I'd probably be going a little bit faster. And, and you know, it is, it is what it is. And I think that, you know, people just like, like I said, I think readers just want to know when to expect what's next. Um, 
Uh, systemic looks fascinating. Um, I think people, you know, it's a definitely a different take on things. And uh, a, a, I'm intrigued already by the whole premise of it. Um, I think other people will be as well. Um, where can folks find you online if they want to reach out to you? Obviously, no one's doing conventions and stuff face-to-face right now, but uh, where can people find you if they want to converse with you, if they want to check out the book and then get back to you about their thoughts? Yeah, the, probably the best way to reach out to me is uh, I'm on Twitter. I think I'm my Chris. Yeah, I'm just Chris Lodwig at Twitter or Twitter. You know, that's my handle. Uh, Facebook is where uh, where I mostly hang out, and that's uh, Chris Lodwig author is my page. Very easy to find me there. You can find me on Instagram. There's not a lot of Chris Lodwigs in the world, as it turns out. There's usually one or two hanging around, uh, but. So, so it's pretty easy to find me. It's and the last name is L O D W I G, not not you. So, if you get Chris Lodwig correct, you're probably going to find me. Uh, if you Google me, I, I'm I'm pretty much all the top results are are going to be me. Uh, no offense to the other Chris Lodwigs out there. They're I'm sure they're they're fine gentlemen, but um, so so that's a way to find me. Uh, you can get the book on Amazon. Uh, oddly, this is actually surprising. <laughs> Systemic was kind of my working title because I figured there would be a gazillion um, sci-fi books called Systemic. It's a little bit, I don't know, kind of obvious. There weren't any, probably because it was too obvious. And so if you look up a novel called Systemic, you're going to find my novel. Uh, and, and again, there's very few Chris Lodwig's writing on Amazon. So that's probably the easiest way to find me. But you can get me through Barnes & Nobles and Audible and, you know, it's around. Awesome. Well, I know I'm going to be picking up a new audio book because I'm, I, I do my walks every day and I listen to books then. So I'll be looking forward to that. Um, yeah. what last question for you, you sent me a photo of yourself. It looks awesome, but you're standing in front of what looks like a star map or some kind of virtual <laughs> screen. Um, it, 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 uh, is this a representation from something in your book or you just got a random picture taken in front of some sci-fi artifact? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes and yes. I mean, kind of. What? <laughs> All right. So you, it's funny. We talked about the setting of my book, and I didn't really talk about the book itself that much. So we talked about the AI, which is a huge part of the book. Uh, but really, the book is about these uh, three strangers who are going to a small town uh, for some reason, and they don't really know why. They all think they know why they're going there. Anyway, so that is a town called Prower, uh, is where they're all going, and things happen, da-da-da, it's an old mining town, there's lots of things in there that go on, but they, they ultimately wind up in a bunker underneath this town. That's kind of all I'm going to say about it, but so so that's it, they're underground, they're this high-tech thing underground, and, and things happen. So anyways, here I am at Disneyland, which is where that picture was taken, I'm at the Star Wars exhibit, and my friend, uh, I think my friend Hank took that picture, um, where we we were we were at Disneyland three days before it closed for COVID, uh, we just barely sneaked that one in, and we're at the new Star Wars thing. And he took a picture, and it was a good picture of me, well, at least I thought. And it looked kind of like I was in the underground bunker at the end of Systemic, and so that's why we kept it. Random sci-fi thing. We thought it was appropriate. Uh, there are very few pictures of me in the world because no one ever wants to take a picture of me. So that was the picture. I was at Star Wars. It's sci-fi. It looks like it's underground brought it all together. That is awesome. And, uh, that's so cool. And as soon as you said star Wars, I realized that's, 
you know, why it looks like a star map, because that's what I think of when I think of star maps. So that is exactly so what cool. it is. <laughs> so cool. You can see an exit sign up there. My friend's like, I should take the exit sign out. And I'm like, nah, it's fine. It's, it's a Star Wars thing at Disneyland. So no, it's it's so cool. Well, that's awesome. I'm I'm excited to get get dig into this. There'll be links to Systemic as well as to your website and Facebook page. So I hope folks will go and check him out. And uh, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci Fi Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I uh, hope you guys reach out to me. I, I love talking to people about writing and, uh, and my books. So I'd love to hear from some of you. And that's going to wrap up this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Make sure you catch up with us for a whole lot more from the whole fantasy and sci-fi-focused community, both on Facebook and, of course, over at our website, fantasy-focus.com. Leave a comment on this episode over there and let me know what's on your mind. Also, while you're on the website, don't forget it when you're on each podcast episode post, you can find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite mobile app, whether it's iOS, Android, or even by email if you want. Um, do that because you don't want to miss our upcoming episodes. Next week, we will be bringing you author Aaron Hodges, which is a great fun episode that I really enjoyed chatting with him, and I think you'll enjoy listening in as well. That's it for this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over in the Facebook group, Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers, or my website, jamiedavisbooks.com. While you're over at the website, if you want to catch a free sample of what I write, you can get a free book. Um, look for the sign-up link in the right-hand side of the front page there. Whatever you do, though, subscribe to the podcast. Come back here for the next episode. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep your eyes open out there, folks, because there's magic all around you.